What up, world? This is your boy, Reggie Dokes, and welcome to part two of God Said Give Them Drum Machines Behind the Scenes podcast. So in this episode, guys, we're going to continue on with uh, Detroit Techno 101. And what is Detroit Techno 101? It is an education curriculum that focuses on sharing the story of Detroit Techno through the lens of the locations that enabled the art form to uh, develop in Detroit. It was created with uh, the Music Origins Project, which is run by our producer, David Grandison. Detroit Techno 101 will challenge students to explore the landmarks that created Detroit Techno using VR 360 degree technology. It will also be providing students with an understanding of digital storytelling across mediums that we use in film. Today, we'll have with us uh, our producers, Jennifer Washington and David Grandison, and our director, Christian Hill, to discuss some significant techno locations throughout Detroit with history and personal experiences. Can't wait to hear this. Let's get into it. So let's jump right in. Reggie, what are your thoughts and memories on Archer Pressing Plant in Detroit? Anyone who is somebody that's an artist in Detroit at, at some point in their career has has gone through Archer. And, 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 and I'm one of them. We're talking about a family-owned business. Uh, his father, his father and son owned business. Um, the son, Mike, uh, took it over after, uh, you know, his father decided to kind of step away from it, I think due to health issues. And, um, you know, Mike has press records for myself, Theo Parrish, Kenny Dixon, Carl Craig. I mean, oh my God, the list is, is quite long. Um, you know, Archer Pressing is probably one of the few uh, pressing plants left in the country. Um, and that within itself, you know, speaks volumes. I mean, for, I think his business has, whew, I think he, Archer probably has been in business, is, is, is probably safe to say probably 30 years or more. It probably has yeah, to be. Yeah, they, they were launched in Archer. 62. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So, you know, imagine that, you know, we're talking the 60s. So, you know, some Motown shit floated through there. He was probably pressing or helping assist with, you know, um, man, uh, you know, I remember Mike would tell me how, you, you know, I initially when I was getting records pressed there, I just thought it was he was just getting Detroit business. You know, that just kind of shows you how. uh person can have tunnel vision and, and how narrow-minded one can be but when he told me he was pressing records up of folks on the west coast <laughs> I mean you know I didn't realize how big the vinyl business was you know I my first record was pressed in 2001 and um, you know I, I just didn't realize how big that business was till I actually you know started my own record label you know, and, and it would just amaze me, man. I would go and, 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 you know, pick up my test press or whatever. And I remember walking in many a day and looking at the wall, man. And I remember Theo and Kenny, Theo Parrish and Kenny, their records from like the floor to the ceiling. It covered the whole fucking wall, floor to ceiling of their records. I was like, Damn, they selling a lot of records. <laughs> I'm like, shit, man. You know, so you know, those those were the days. Yeah, uh, you know, when when you could make uh, make a little money, you know, selling records. You know, now, shit. They claim that there's been a resurgence in you know the whole vinyl market or whatever. Um, 
And, and, and I guess I can agree with that a little bit. You know, you, you are seeing like a lot of folks going back to, you know, buying uh, vinyl records and what have you. But, uh, you know, Archer Records, man, they, they were just they, they, they play a huge role. Um, um, shit, and especially in techno. Uh, and, and even before that, obviously, you know, shit, you're talking about a company that, as D David said, was founded in the 60s, man. So I'm sure Mike could 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 tell some stories, man, about, you know, a lot of the people that he's dealt with, uh, you know, in Detroit. And then that whole process of, of pressing a record is just so fascinating to me, you know, Um it, it just really is, man. Just to see how a record is made, man. It's just, it's just crazy. I remember going in there, you know, Mike would be looking like a mad scientist, you know, they'd be pouring like these black rocks into like this hot machine and oh God. And those machines were old too. You know, they were, they were like, shit, those machines they were using, man, were like old as hell. And if one of them broke down, you know, he'd be mad in a mug, man, like, damn, man, you know, it would set them back, you know, like maybe an hour or two, but man, that, that, that place, man, it was, it's, 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 it's great. I think the last time I went to Detroit, um, I went there, um, to, uh, to, uh, holler at Mike, uh, about a record, but, uh, yeah, man, Mike Archer, the man. Wow. Archer yeah. Preston. I mean, what what you're saying is 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 really is really deep because you know yeah there was a vinyl resurgence and I think vinyl actually beat out uh, digital back about five years ago for a minute but it hasn't really hung on but yeah you know you're right Archer was in Detroit it, it, it and and again correction sixty five I think was actually the origin uh, the time when he started it but hmm. those those um presses that you're talking about they don't make them anymore you're you know like the presses the the record pressing factories now that have presses mm -hmm. that's it they don't mm -hmm. there are no real companies that are making them as much i think there are now new digital tools that allow you to press mm -hmm. you know very small batches and you know obviously you can you can press masters at, mm -hmm. a, at at studios but to press in volume it's 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 a lost art so mm -hmm. you know archer is a, is a is a rare gem um, and it being in Detroit is, is really important because my understanding is that Motown decentralized and they were pressing close to the markets they were in. But mm -hmm. the Detroit Archer record press was for the Detroit market. But now there's all gone. So now so much business is now starting to come to him. But it's mm -hmm. still a very rare and um, unique trade. The, the you know the, the the actual pressing of vinyl and you know like what do you think about the quality of vinyl versus digital you know like are you a are you a purist reg you know christian are you guys purists man. are you guys <laughs> you, you, you you talking to a dude man where it took me forever to embrace the new technology man when they started coming out with cdjs you know um i was i was I, you know, I still had my music on CDs, putting them into the CDJ player. You know what I mean? And, and, and then Kai cracked on me one day. He was like, yo, dude, you know, you can put put all those records on a thumb drive. Right. And I was like and I was like, dude, I, I, I hear you. But I've seen DJs walk up to a CDJ player right before they're set, put the thumb drive in the CDJ player. And it says on the screen uh, that. Uh, there's an error or it can't read the music. What do you do? You better have a fucking backup thumb drive or you shit out of luck. So, you know, I was always like, man, as long as that CDJ player has a slot that can hold a CD, man, please. I was pushing that. I still do that even, you know, cause I have a CDJ player. Um, but I still do that, man. Like burn my shit to like a CD or whatever. But I'm 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 going to transform. I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to embrace it. But the whole argument with vinyl, you know, there's always that thing that oh, vinyl sounds warmer and 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 a lot fuller, and it does. It fucking does. You know, I'm a vinyl diehard yeah. to my last fucking breath. I mean, 
I'm an old motherfucker. That's how I was raised. I was raised on vinyl. You know, like compressed analog. We, we, we you know, <laughs> we would go to the record stores and and actually record shop. You know, I mean, like it's a part of my DNA, man. So I'm always big on 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 vinyl. You know, and like when the few experiences that I had in DJing. When the technology changed and now all of a sudden you don't have to carry all these fucking records. You know what I mean? Like you carrying a metal uh, DJ case with 50 damn records in it, man. And you going halfway, you know, you going across the Atlantic, you know, when the technology improved that, that it changed a lot of that, you know what I mean? Uh, but but still, man, you know, like the last party, the last party I did, which was like three or four years ago, it was a tour, a small tour I did in London. And um, man, the, the gig that I did, the requirement was don't come over here with any digital shit. They were like, we are strictly vinyl party. I love that shit. <laughs> they were like, dude, don't even come. Don't even come over here with no CDs and thumb drives and shit. This party is strictly a vinyl fucking party. And I don't care what they say. <laughs> motherfucker mixing a vinyl record. You, 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 I know I'm gonna get in trouble. I don't care. You a real damn DJ, huh? <laughs> you a real goddamn DJ learning how to mix fucking records on vinyl. I'm sorry, I said it, yes I did. <laughs> Hill, Hill, what's your thoughts on, on vinyl before we, before we move on? <laughs> bro, I, bro, I just want to keep the music going. I don't I don't have any insight right now. I don't have a turntable. Right. Well, I have a question that I think you yeah. might answer. Christian, why did we go shoot at Archer? But just seeing that process that Doge just named. You just talked about. Um, give me one second. I'll uh, get on so you can hear me. But uh, which is a way I could plug this in. But um, yeah, we wanted to see that. It was fascinating, you know. And it's a big part of why we followed who we followed is because they made records, you know. And just the record making that that process, you know, it was just something to see and visually. At the time, you know, we hadn't had the opportunity to film something so, like, I guess, important and intimate, into intimate in terms of the record making process and how that piece of vinyl then becomes this thing you don't know where it's going to go and have a life of its own. So, it was just great to see from inception. So that's why, you know, Eric Jackson made it happen you know and you know i just remember just us going and interviewing uh my interviewing my man who uh i forgot his name the archer he's the son you know i remember us interviewing him and it was just windy and stuff like that i just remember that it was cold we interviewed him outside you know mike. but yeah mike, mike archer, archer. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you, Mike. Yeah, bro. Just that process. <clears throat> yeah, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. That 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 process, man. And and you know, it's like, you know, back then. Uh, I'm saying back then, but back when I first, you know, started DJing, man, it was like the 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 code was you couldn't get gigs unless you had a record out. You know, so it makes you think. Why did all these guys start their own record labels? You know, we, we became our own business. You know, we became entrepreneurs. We started these labels to promote our sound, right? And to promote us uh, as DJs, you know? And, um, you know, when, 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 you, when you look at it, there are a lot of record labels in Detroit, you know, independent record labels. Uh, in both house and techno, man. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's mind blowing. Um, you know, when you look at some of these stores overseas and, and they have these records of 
Detroit artists, you know, uh, on their shelves that they're selling, man. I mean, you know, Detroit, I mean, you, you say you are a Detroit artist and you would be lying to yourself if, if you said that being from Detroit didn't help <laughs> as an artist. Oh, you're a Detroit artist. I mean, there's like this, this whole mystique, I think, behind all of that. You know what I mean? That, I mean, I think if you were from anywhere else, I don't know. But when you say you're from Detroit, you're a Detroit artist uh, overseas. It just, it, 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 it's just that respect level goes way up. And why is that? Because, you know, we just, Detroit artists just have that unique sound, um, I think, you know, but, um, but yeah, you know, artists have become like their own business and, you know, it's just fascinating to see, man, you know, you, you, you learn the ropes about distribution and, you know, uh, promoting uh, your music and other artists and, you know, it, it, Detroit really just laid that groundwork for a lot of us as far as, um, you know, starting our own businesses in the music business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, what, that, you're, what, you're, yeah. What, what you're talking about is, I think, you know, a vital point to underscore is mm -hmm. that this was entrepreneurship and mm -hmm. the creation of labels are, is the creation of a business. And this is a business that was um, embraced in Detroit, and Detroit is still one has one of the densest, uh, one of the densest cities for labels of independent labels. And so I think that that's really important, and that's one of the things that you know we're trying to do with this, you know, Detroit Techno One Hundred and One is one, yeah, let's look at these institutions that have been created in Detroit that are entrepreneurial institutions that we need to be teaching young people how to replicate, and it's. The, the Archer Record Press. Hey, why one day maybe we need to have a black owned Archer Record Press. Okay, so think about that. But on the other side of things, independent labels. We need more independent labels. We need students to realize that they can start their own label and that that's a business and that's a business that's distributed in a wide variety of ways. So slowly but Let's talk about like what's the strength of the label? What is what is the um, what is the goal of the label, and how did labels form the basis for what became Detroit Techno? We know Techno Boulevard had three labels, two la three labels that were right within proximity, you know, and that was because they needed to collaborate. But Rich, you know, take take a you know what what did you think about Techno Boulevard? What was unique about that, you know? Or anybody chime in on that, you know? Well, my understanding, it was the whole naming of Techno Boulevard was was a process within itself. And I, and if I'm not mistaken, I think, uh, um, uh, you know, Kevin and, and, and Derek and, and, and Juan, uh, as well as others, uh, really pushed, you know, for that to happen, um, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm glad it did because it just, you know, all the shit that we get being from Detroit and in Detroit, you know, it was just really um, a good thing to see something like that happen for us. You know, um, you know, we're talking about the origin of, of, of techno and being recognized internationally for that um, and, 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 it, and it was just, it was a great thing. It was a great thing. Um, and, and I'm super proud that, that, uh, that, uh, that it happened, you know? Um, I mean, I'd be lying to myself if uh, I said those guys, you know, didn't inspire me to start, you know, my own situation. So, you know, they laid the, the groundwork, you know, the framework, if you will, for a lot of us that came after them. So, um, you know, Techno Boulevard is, is a beautiful thing. I, I even have a, a, a T-shirt that has Techno Boulevard on it. So, you know, I'm, I'm super proud that that came to fruition for us as Detroiters and, and especially lovers of techno. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's, uh, it's about, you know, I think proximity. The <laughs> fact that having these labels all in the same area meant that if a promoter came from abroad and wanted to see these guys it was easy for them to find all of them in the same area 
Okay. Um, it was collaboration. It was, mm. it was, they, this, some of the people were working for each other. You know, there mm. were people who would help on all these different labels. So that, that brings us back to that collaboration that we were talking about and why collaboration is important. You know, they didn't say we're going to be on three separate sides of the city. And cause we don't want to be sharing each other's ideas. You know, they said we're going to be close to each other, you know? So, I mean, those are, those are important things that we need to teach young people to embrace. And that's why, you know, we're, we're trying to, to look at the proximity of these things, you know, and that's something that goes way back. You know, I, as I was, um, you know, you know, Tin Pan Alley back in the twenties was, was that because the publishing industry needed to have the people who were making the pianos, the people who were making the sheet music, the people who were writing the songs for those pianos all in the same area. And so Detroit embraced that and has and carried that on. And we need to teach young people to embrace the fact that they can collaborate and work together. So Christian, how um, the the concept of Techno Boulevard, how does it relate to our story, the film? Right now is just talking about it to me is it's part of the story and it is central to kind of at one point to where all the music came together and where uh, Derek would have a lot of collaborators coming down, Juan will have collaborators coming down. But we, we really, we only get into a few of the relationships that, that, that were born out of <clears throat> that early on. You know, we really don't follow the, the collaboration with uh, Martin Barnes or we don't really get into some of the uh, Ant Anthony Shakir, some of the people that were down there when we talk about collaborators, I wish we had more time or more ability to kind of like dig into this uh, rabbit hole. And, and, and then this rabbit, rabbit hole of collaboration is also where you kind of have this whole situation where you have people who don't get their proper uh, what would you say their proper credits for these songs too so you're right you do have to teach young people how to collaborate in a way that you respect each other's creative input and that you know that is a process that, that we all sharing together you know as much as you can I mean you know but uh I definitely feel like collaboration is uh it's so key to the creative process and, the, and at Techno Boulevard, as Dokes noted, and as you noted, the collaboration, the proximity made it so collaboration could happen in a myriad of ways. And, you know, really you got three labels, but we're all kind of gravitating to uh, what at the Derek, Derek was kind of the first one down there on that corner, you know what I mean? And Juan was working out the crib. You know, and, and Kevin, Kevin and them they were growing, you know, selling records too. So I just made it real convenient for them, you know. And as it relates to our movie, I hope that we shine a light on it in a way that kind of gives it its justice. My, you know, more specifically, you know, how does the existence of this place in Detroit where all these labels were? If if it were such a, a real thing, then how did um, the Belleville Three uh, thing happen? If we have Techno Boulevard, this Techno Boulevard thing is is just like a place. It's a hub. It's it just got like a little uh, marketing spin on it. Same with Belleville Three. It was a marketing spin uh, that came out in the first uh in the detroit techno album in the liner notes and in the, in the techno new sound of detroit detroit techno one of the things that was there in those liner notes was the term the belleville three so that's where it kind of got uh, a put on to them so um you know they they all kind of worked together in this world that they were creating you know what i mean they they were telling you know, nobody was giving us misdirection, you know, it was like, hey, these guys went to high school in Belleville, right, and uh, now they're, we're here on Techno Boulevard, that's what gave it its foundation, its grit, you know, um, so the Europeans, how they were telling the story, it wasn't, 
well, you know, that was the story. The Belleville three thing just blurs things in the sense that um, it limits, it, it kind of isolates the collaboration just to three people. And um, once you isolate the collaboration to three people, you omit all these other people that are in the room, all these other names, you know, James Pennington, you start to omit uh, Art Forrest, you start to omit uh, Santonio, just the Belleville Three is just, and you know, it's, it's a tight sport coat right there. You know what I mean? But that's what, that's how they were marketing the music at that time. So um, yeah, and Techno Boulevard just gave it some, you know, a little backstory name for it to ring you know and um that's how i kind of look at it and and um whereas before early on i thought the belleville three thing was some not you know kind of a way to kind of take away from detroit and things of that nature but at the time these as i understand it you know they were counter Juan, Derek, and them were on the margins of Detroit. You know what I mean? Um, I would say Derek and Kevin more so. You know, Juan's music spoke to Detroiters. You know, when you listen to uh, Derek and Kevin and them talk about, uh, not, not, not so much Kevin, but when you hear Derek and uh, Juan to some degree talk about how uh, their sound wasn't influenced by Detroit, that Motown didn't have nothing to do with it. And just kind of those early remarks, you know, made it to where Techno Boulevard having something that's like Techno Boulevard gave it at least a Detroit foundation while they're still trying to market themselves as anti-Detroit, you know, or counter Detroit. So, I mean, I look at it a few different ways. deny that the radio played a big part um you know for for me you know radio in itself was what allowed jazz music to spread you know think about places like cotton club back in the day they allowed jazz to spread now you go to detroit detroit giving this music to mojo and him breaking it on the radio allowed all the kids in detroit to hear that music for the first time. What, you know, can either one of you tell me like the first time you remember hearing one of these songs played on the radio and, and tell me WGPR. what that was like for you? Yes. Mojo, famous hey, GPR. Yeah. I think um, Cosmic Cars is what, what did it for me. First time I heard that on the radio, I was like, oh my God, what is going on here? But, you know, I, I think we all can agree um, that uh, Mojo, and that the station that he was on, what what was it? What was the call numbers or letters? W You're talking about WGPR or WHYT? He, he was on, on WH. He was on he, both. He was on both. He was on both. Okay. Yeah, okay. WHYT is where he used to do the mixer down. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, I'm sure we can all agree. I, I know for myself, that's where I got a lot of exposure to just different genres of music growing up as a kid in Detroit was, you know, uh, the great and honorable Mojo, you know. Um, in one breath, he's playing uh, Mozart, and then in the next, he's, you know, playing um, a record by one of our Detroit artists or... Um, uh, craft work, you know, then James Brown, I, you know, that diversity in uh, the music that was played back then, I think just kind of made a lot of us open to, you know, just various genres of music, you know what I mean? I, I just truly believe 80s was a great time for music across all genres, man, and, and Mojo was one of those cats that that really embrace that you know what I mean and um you know I, I'm, I'm like Shh. that 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 kind of education coming up made me the uh uh made me the man that I am today you know as a as a selector of music but uh 
Mm. Yeah, man. You know, I, you know, and and I've mentioned this before, and you know, Mojo, um, he was you know one of the very few, if only, cats that broke uh, Prince's records. You know, because no one else was really playing Prince's stuff earlier on in his career, man. And Mojo was one of those dudes who he he took chances, man. You know, he. He was one of those rare DJs, man, that that really just you couldn't put him in a box, you know, and um, bro, you you saying that just makes me remember him playing like Hey Lover, like to hear Prince him play <laughs> Hey Lover, like the extended bass for you. Right. Like, Damn, bro, hey Lover. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Is that what it's called? What's Hey Lover? Hold on. Let me look it up. Chris. <laughs> He would give Prince, you know, you know, he would give Prince so much love, you know, and and Prince would come in on the station and talk to him, you know, and, you know, come on, Prince loved Detroit. And that was largely in part, I think, due to Mojo, you know. I'm sorry that you don't know uh, any of your person who you think you know, Prince. (laughs) Hey, Lover is not the name of the song. It's not. What is lover? It's soft and wet. I want to. I want to be soft and wet. Oh yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay. Just say that. Don't doubt. Yeah, but you don't. Don't doubt me. Hey, love is over. Song. Yes, that's it. Soft and wet. That's soft and wet. That's soft and wet. But no, the radio did was was huge. you know, it took up so much time of our lives listening to the radio. It was such right. a source of entertainment, yeah. unlike it is now. I don't ever listen to the radio, but if I'm in my car, no. I'm listening to XM, and that's there's much, such a different experience because I'm not really hearing new. I don't. That's not how I find out about new music. It's not from the radio anymore. It's right. from that's YouTube it. or whatever. It's definitely right. not the what it meant. Radio is not what it was growing up yeah 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 i, I mean I, so what I, I mean, what are we doing you know what are we gonna do what's gonna happen you know because radio was a place where new artists were broken where you mm-hmm. had djs who were curating and creating these cultural um soundscapes and and exposing yeah, but, but that's that's you guys just like being kind of unaware of where other acts are being broken. Like you said, YouTube, you know what I mean? Things are happening on SoundCloud. Things are happening in the digital. Absolutely. Definitely happening in TikTok. Like, so things are happening. It's like, how do you you, uh, adjust? And how do you stay current and and not be narrow and be like, "Ah, I just don't know no more. Like you, at some point you gotta like, get in the game of where how it shifted well that's 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 what's up but the key is we've got to make sure that we are talking about and teaching people how these shifts are occurring so that we can use and optimize the use of these other other channels that are happening because Mm -hmm. there was Mm -hmm. a unique thing that was happening when we had djs curating so now Mm -hmm. it's the podcast Mm -hmm. now it's the mix show um but teaching young people to be able to make this an active thing versus being or just, the playlist just yeah the playlist like my i have a friend whose son he's like dude i just put up a new playlist check out my playlist like right. i follow people to be like i just did my favorite playlist so it's just like yeah. the, everything yeah. is shifted to the playlist you know what i mean yeah. like yeah are, are we so mature that you you can't like shift to the playlist too you know what i mean no, like I, I, i'm all, with you i mean that's, that's yeah. what I'm, I'm with I mean, you. that's what spotify you, you, is that's right. what spotify is you, you certainly can't you afford know? not to shift if you are an artist in the music mm-hmm. right? you know mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't afford to do it man because these kids nowadays man they they aren't really buying records physical copies of records or cds um you know it's it's all digital you know, like you said, they're going to SoundCloud, they're going to Spotify, uh, Beatport, um, 
you know, Apple Music, Amazon. I mean, they're going yeah. to all these different uh, right, uh, means of, 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 of finding music, uh, you know, because like Jennifer alluded to, I mean, let's be real. Radio has become a lot of radio has become um, um, very um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, uh, it, it, it's not inventive. It's not creative. <laughs> it's it's you know you know you, you can you can turn on a radio station, man, and you will hear the same fucking record probably two or three times within a two hour time. Bro, you in, in L.A. I, it's it's worse, bro. You can hear yeah. Roddy Rich. Yes, four yes. times. <laughs> Right. You hear Roddy right. Rich. Yes, that's uh, what I was thinking Roddy about Rich. just now. You hear Roddy Rich on the right. hour, like on the right. Right. DJ, DJ Mustard on the beat, right. YG. Right. Hey, bro, the the radio out here is really like, yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's man. If it wasn't for KCRW, there'd be no radio. Right. You know, well, well, that's terrestrial radio for you. I mean, XM yeah. is so yeah. different. With the, mm, yeah. uh, the way yeah. they program yeah. satellite radio, yeah. Mm, mm. But satellite radio, they repeat too. Not like they repeat regular radio. On Shade 4 or 5. I mean, that shit ain't, I mean, you know, it's not like a playlist, but I will say, like, their disco station, Studio 54 station, and those other dance music stations, they are generally up, up to date and playing like dope stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not overkill like on commercial radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so ultimately, ultimately, I think for me, I, all I say is we have to teach people to curate music and to curate music well for discovery. Okay. So you got to understand these channels. Okay. And that's what we have to really help young people to understand that they're all of these channels. If you don't name your content correctly, if you don't make it discoverable with a title that is going to speak correctly. If your playlist isn't named correctly, if your playlist doesn't have the right metadata, you're not gonna be found in the mix. And then if you don't know how to reach out to these channels that are actually putting out new music and, and, and market yourself in that way, you're not gonna be found either. And so that's really ultimately, I think the ultimate goal is just to make sure that people are mindful in their how they're consuming. And if you're a creator, mindful in how you're disseminating, you know, and so, yeah, that that's the ultimate goal, I think. You know, let's just be mindful of it. Let's talk about it, and let's make sure that we're we're helping young people to optimize so that they can win. You know, that's the bottom line. Okay, so I'll start segue now into the next location. The reason why we thought it was important to have Santonio on this week was because I can recall him talking about where he used to buy equipment to make music. And mm. he said he brought up Wonderland music. And if anybody has any memories about Wonderland, I would like to hear them. I bought my first record from Wonderland music. It was a Bootsy Collins album. Mm. Um, one with the one with the glasses, mm, um, with the star glasses, yeah, star mm. glasses that you could you could pop out and uh, mm. make them. You you could have it's player of the year actually. I bought okay. Bootsy's okay. player of the year from <laughs> Wonderland Music. Yes, I remember that, and it was a double album. Like how I just opened up, like shit was crazy. Or it wasn't double; it just was. I just remember that, dude. Yes, so that's my Wonderland Music story. They now they sold equipment too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. okay, so I just want to because I, I think that's where I got my DJ equipment. Um, when I um, when I got back into DJing once I finished college, it was like probably it was uh, shit, probably like two thousand maybe late 90s and shit and i went up in there man and got to looking at dj equipment man and he was like hey man you know you can get all this stuff man speakers your amp 
all that shit. All I need to do is run your credit. I was like, go ahead. <laughs> I was like, I was like, go ahead, dude. Fuck it. Let's let's go for it. He was like, dude, you got about eight thousand dollar credit line. Boy, I thought I was rich, man. I was like, man, I was walking up out of there with speakers. Man, the speakers that I had were so big, they had to be. I I think I had to rent a truck to bring them back to the crib. That's how big the speakers were, man, that I that I bought. But I had my DJ equipment, man, and I was back on. That's that's when I was, uh, that's when we were living on Prairie off of uh, West Seven Mile. I was not too far from uh, Byright, actually. I could actually walk to Byright from my house. And uh, man, I had my DJ equipment, man. And that dude, I forget that brother's name. He was a manager uh, there, um, but uh, he, he, he set me right, man. He set me right. I got my amp, my speakers, man, my turntables. I was I was ready. I was back in action, man. Wonderland music. Much love. That's my story. You know, the 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 places where we bought the music, yeah, you mentioned buy right. That was my spot because that mm-hmm. was walking distance from the crib and I didn't have a car. So, you know, <laughs> I was, I was yeah. up in buy right constantly, you know, with Cliff and, you know, and, and, and everybody else who was up in there, you know, listening to music. And so, you know, these bought, places, you know, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. My, go first, ahead. Record, my yeah. first record I bought from buy right was David Bowie's Let's Dance. Oh, uh, <laughs> and I bought it from the buy right on seven mile between uh, it was near Otter. Seven Mile, Illinois, yeah. like right. Seven Mile, no, it, it was seven, close the to first the, closer to Iron Drive. Ah, okay, it okay. Between, set, yeah. was on Seven Mile between like Steel and Apollon, or yeah. you know Sorrento and Steel, like. But I, I want to say right there in that area. Yeah, it was. It was. So that's where I bought. Much yeah, smaller. much smaller. Yeah, uh-huh. smaller location. Yeah. Yeah, I had on a uh just to divert since we talk about locations, I had on this uh Leumo t-shirt that I yeah, I saw I've that been trying to figure out in design. And uh somebody hit me up, it was like six mile or seven mile. Mm. And I was like, I had to think about that because I've never been to either, but I just know the stories. I've heard the stories, right? You know, and so I in my says seven mile the amusement center and uh the person was like right answer <laughs> correct answer <laughs> so you know yeah bro having these locations and kind of having a perspective of how you view them in the historical context kind of helps a lot of people kind of uh know where you're coming from and, and and get excited about you know the possibilities of this story and how it will impact them Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 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 so speaking, speaking of buy right. So when Cliff moved from the smaller location, he moved to a bigger location and that location was closer to, um, Livernois, right. Still on seven, mm-hmm. months, but, but closer to, uh, to, uh, Livernois. And, and, and that's where, when when me and the family lived on prairie you know i would i had a double stroller at the time man i put the kids in the double stroller and uh uh we we we'd uh i pushed them down uh prairie uh cross seven mile with my fingers crossed because you know how seven mile could be at, at certain at certain times i'm trying to cross set west seven mile with these babies <laughs> In a, double, <laughs> in a double stroller, <laughs> you know, just to uh, go to Byright. Man, I, I would hang out and Byright with Cliff, man, for like for like hours. Sometimes I wouldn't even it, it wouldn't even be about the records. It would just it would be about the uh, the 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 the, uh, the friendship, you know, the the the, his, the, the history lessons, um, you know, the words of advice, the wisdom. Uh, you know, just hanging out with that brother. And, you know, and I remember him sharing with me on a few occasions how, you know, uh, I think at one point he distributed uh, a lot of Cats records, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. Derek and them uh, earlier on uh, in their career before, you know, things kind of uh, took off uh, uh, for them uh, with, you know, Europe recognizing uh, their sound. But, uh, you know, Cliff... Uh, 
has a really interesting history with uh, with Detroit Techno. And, um, you know, quite frankly, he was the first place that really exposed um, a lot of us to, you know, that whole progressive uh, sound um, and, 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 and buying records, you know. Um, and, 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 the, and, you know, the man is still there. He is still yeah. there. And, you know, when I go yeah. back to Detroit, that's one of the first places uh, I go to because, man, he has a vinyl collection that is just is, is crazy. I, I, you know, shit is like two and three dollars, man. I go there and just clean up a lot of a lot of old soul records, man. You can find um, at his uh, at his uh, at his spot, man, you know, and just clean up. It's just it's, it's a vinyl junkies uh um dream come true you know yeah. uh, but uh, i mean yeah, you my, know much respect your, your your point you know i think underscoring that you know these spaces are not just spaces for selling you know mm -hmm. they're spaces for community building they're spaces where people share stories and where people you know and again where you have somebody curating and selecting and providing you know insights so, yeah, you know, again, we, you know, the, the, we can't underscore the significance of these spaces. And the key is, what are we doing to teach people the analogs, the current analogs that exist for this same type of thing and how they can use them well and smartly if you're in the record industry or if you're a listener and you want to educate yourself? You know, like those are two ways we have to teach people to, to, to manage uh, this media. And hey, hopefully we can do that well with, you know, Detroit. Uh, techno 101 and you know yeah, it's, that's, it's, i think it's core it's crazy because you know buy right played a major role in a lot of us as djs buying records but then there were you know that obviously there was record time and yep. there was another one uh that people forget to mention uh melodies and memories um you know, uh, now, now, you know, granted record time and, and, and uh, melodies and memories really weren't in Detroit, per se. Um, but still a lot of, you know, Detroit DJs, um, you know, patronize those places. You know what I mean? I, 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 I just got through seeing, uh, uh, check this, a, a video that my son showed me on YouTube about Jay Dilla. And um, uh, one of the one of the guys that they interviewed was um, was Gary, who was the owner of Melodies and Memories. And he talked about how, you know, Dilla was one of those cats that basically hung out in that place for hours, you know, buying uh, buying records, man, you know, buying yeah. records. Yeah, I mean, these places educated, you know, Dilla, we know. And, and any good DJ is 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 crate digging, you know? Right, crate right. digging is a way of life if you're a yeah. DJ. And yeah. these are the places where, you know, these uh, archives were created. So, you know, yeah, we've got, um, you know, we're showing you where uh, record time is. We're showing you where buy right is, allowing people to kind of visit those places and, okay. and then to learn about those places in, in, in the Detroit Techno, you know, 101. Nice. And uh, yeah, let's let's just you know, let, you guys gave me a couple of new spots that I'm going to add, you know, and I'll I'll find out where they are and we'll allow you to visit them in VR so that you can actually see what these spaces are because you know we gotta we gotta let people go back into the communities, you know, it's not all about just um, you know going to the festival and staying in the festival. We gotta create pathways for people to go into the communities and spend money you know, and go in the community and help the community. And I think that's another part of why uh, I think this is important is to make locations leaving the festivals when you come to Detroit, be a part of coming to Detroit and giving people reasons to, to visit these places and spend some money in the communities. Beautiful, beautiful, nice. you know, thanks everybody nice. for, uh, for, for contributing on it. And I think that we're all, you know, this is a beautiful thing, you know, let's, let's give back to the, to the youngsters and let's help and 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 old alike young and old <laughs> young and old yeah let me let yeah. me let me uh -huh. fix that <laughs> young and old who want to learn about this art form bro we're, we're this is a great service and and for us to be trying to figure it out to where it could be a curriculum or where it could add to what 
librarians and uh, other academics are doing in the Metro Detroit area. Like anything we could do, this would be great. Guys, we hope you all enjoyed our sixth episode of God Said Give Them Drum Machines Behind the Scenes podcast. You know, we don't want you to uh, to forget, okay? You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from, okay? Don't forget the film is due out in fall 2021, and we can't wait for you to see it. And, you know, we want to thank all of our listeners for joining us and, and just sticking with us. Special shout out to San Francisco, California, and Kodak, India, I believe that is. Wow, that is amazing. Detroit is international, baby. You know, also don't forget to head over to God said give them drum machine.com forward slash shop. That's G S G E D M dot com forward slash shop. S-H-O-P for our ongoing sale, 20% off discount. And there's new merch on the website. So please go check that out. And if you see anything hot, please support us. Also, you can head over to YouTube where you can find all of our God Said Give Them Drum Machine podcast episodes. Okay. And cannot forget to give a special shout out to EPM Music team, Oliver, Addie, and Jonas. Also, I want to give a special shout out to Output, the sound design company that uh, supplies me with great sound and scoring this soon to be released documentary. And big thanks to Fusicology, my girls, Asia and Amy. We appreciate you both so much. So again, stay updated with us on Facebook and Instagram, okay, concerning uh, what we're doing. And lastly, we wanted to give a special respect and rest in peace to WGPR-TV's Karen Hudson Samuels. If you don't know about her, please look her up. She did so much with Detroit. Thanks for joining us. See you next month. Detroit Techno. Peace.